0: You are listening to a sermon from the pulpit of Camden First Church of the Nazarene in Camden, South Carolina. We are located at 2276 Jefferson Davis Highway, and you are invited to join us each Sunday at 11 a.m. Thank you for visiting CamdenFirstChurch.org. Amen. Amen. He's worthy to receive glory, is he not? Hallelujah. Amen. I hope you guys are uh, excited to be here, as Casey is to be up here with me. <laughs> um, excuse me, we get a couple logistics here. Well, welcome to this side of the platform. What you? What you, you like that side better? Okay. <laughs> Man, we're excited that you uh, you guys are here, and uh, I've been I've been looking forward uh, to this. Do you, need, you want an iPad? Are you good? I've got something they call paper. Oh, okay, you've I'm got paper. Okay, you're still using paper. All right. <laughs> but, uh, man, we're excited, and I hope you don't mind. Uh, I don't know if anybody's ever sat to you and preached to you, but uh, but we're just trying to, uh, we figure we kind of get the effect of, uh, of Casey and I maybe um, having a conversation uh, at the dinner table or at the bistro table. And uh but uh, we, man we're we're excited. Uh when I when I set out to, to, to wanna do a uh, a, a marriage uh, uh sermon series, it was I thought it inadequate, was I thought it inappropriate to, to to do it without the help of, of my spouse. Uh because I can give you my side of it, I can give you what I think, but obviously she there's a wealth of knowledge uh in her because not that she has any degree, but she's lived with me for uh, almost seven years. And uh, so that is experience that, uh, that speaks for itself. But uh, it's good to have you up here with me. And uh, Casey uh, comes from, she grew up in the, in the Central Church in Nazarene in West Columbia. Um, uh, her, uh, uh, her mom and dad attended there, for, or, or are attending there. And uh, her dad um, uh, works and runs Hobgood Electric and Machinery up in Winsboro. And uh, so that's a little bit about her family. Casey went to Columbia College and she 's a school teacher, you guys know all this, but, but um, went to Columbia College and then also uh, has a master 's degree from Southern Wesleyan University in, uh, in education. so a little bit about her, but uh, why't you tell us about our story won 't you tell them about our story? because I think that 's probably the best way to, the best way to start is, is maybe for you guys to hear our story from your, from your perspective because they 've heard bits and pieces and illustrations, but, uh, but maybe maybe your story is a little more interesting than, than my perspective.
1: The first time I met David, my feelings weren't the same as they are now or they huh. were when we got married. Um, my first memory of David was at the Bates, Batesburg campground. Um, I'm not exactly sure how old we, are, but where we were, but um, he was running around. He was sweaty. He was getting into everything. And um, like I a- remember thinking. Sounds like Avery. <laughs> I'm about 14 months older than David, so I would have thought I was real mature at that time, you yeah, know, seven, yeah, of eight. Course. And I remember thinking, someone needs to tell that boy to sit down and take a shower. And um, so fast forward, you know, um, about 10 or 15 years later, and we go on a missions trip to Mexico. And actually some people from this church went on that same trip. And Dave and I weren't on the same team working in the areas in Mexico. But at night, we'd all get together and we'd eat dinner and um, play games and different things like that. And most nights we found each other and we would hang out um, during that time. And so that was my first real... Um, experience with it, you know, being with him and stuff, and so um, we went on. I really, you know, liked him. I wanted to go out with him, but I was dating this other guy that I didn't like, but anyway. And I
0: was dating a girl that I didn't like. And so. (laughs) I really didn't like.
1: Um, So anyway, we went on with life, and I went back to Columbia College that year. He started Trevecca. His parents moved from Orangeburg to Weirton that summer, and so he didn't really come back after that, and um, I knew all that for some reason, and I was really Like, how is this gonna work out? Because I knew that he was the one I was at least gonna (laughs) date at some point, you know. And um, I just didn't know how this was gonna work out. Well, four years pass, and he comes back and he calls my sister, they had been friends up at Tereka,
0: not to date. I was calling her to get her number. I'm gonna tell Uh, them, okay, okay.
1: And um, so he calls and he says, You know, I'm back in town, I need you know, I just want something to do this Friday night, can we hang out? And Courtney's like, Oh, whatever, I don't care, and um. So he had left that on a voicemail, and I said, "You will call that boy back because I want to go out with him, and whether you do or not, somebody's <laughs> going out with him, and it's me." And, um, so she called back, and she went with us. And um, I don't know if she said two words that whole night. I don't. I mean, I don't know what she did. Um, but she went around with us. We went out, and then that was the summer of two thousand four, and we started dating. And then two thousand five, he proposed, and we got married in two thousand six. Yes.
0: Yes, that's our story. That's man. That's the short version. I like it. I like. So uh, yeah, I, you, you said that she. she didn't do a lot talking either. I, I did all the talking. Uh, if you can imagine that. Imagine. If you can imagine that. But speaking of talking, uh, th- this morning we're going to we're going to talk a little bit about, uh, about the various kinds of communication breakdowns that can occur in a marriage, and um, and and we've all been there. We've all we've all experienced maybe uh, miscues or. Or communication breakdowns, or I thought you said this, but uh, but I really said this, or I thought you meant this, or you didn't say anything, but you should have read my mind to know that I would have said that if I would have verbalized my feelings. Uh, so we, we've all we've all been there, and, and so we've all had these these times of, of maybe uh, miscommunicating. And so t- this morning we're looking at w- what is communication one on one, and I think. Casey can explain early on in our marriage uh, the how how we missed we, we miscommunicated some uh, some expectations.
1: Uh, well, before we got married, David was looking for a job um, here, and so he found a job at the Y, and he was over all the sports activities for, um, for that area, and so he was gone every Saturday all day, and um, during basketball season. Um, from like eight o'clock in the morning till 11 o'clock at night on Tuesdays and Thursdays and, um, a couple other nights throughout the week. Um, and so when we were dating, you know, we would go out Friday, Saturday nights, like a lot of couples and Sundays we'd go to church. And so we were spending the average amount of time that couples who date spend together. So life was good. Well, then we got engaged and I spent my Saturday mornings planning a wedding and getting things ready for the house that we were building and moving into and life was still good And so, and then we got married, and we come back from our honeymoon, and David goes to work on Saturday, and where are you going? He's like, well, I have to go to work. You know, I still have that same job that I had, you know, before we got married, and basketball season rolled around, and Tuesday nights, and Thursday nights, he was gone, and I was going to bed before he even got home, and I was, you know, it wasn't the same. I didn't have all those things to do that I had to do before, and so I would just, I started to get upset and wonder, well, how are we going to have a marriage if you're never here? And it wasn't that he wasn't there. It, to my mind, though, I was just over-exaggerated. He was there. Um, he just wasn't there as much as I wanted him to be there. Um, and so that was one of the first, um, from day one, I think, times that we just kind of miscommunicated expectations.
0: Yeah. And c- communication breakdowns happen a lot. And, and, and the thing is, it, it breakdowns, if gone unchecked, can can have serious ramifications if if there if there is a communication breakdown and and you as a, as, a, as a couple uh, do not address it then it, it, it what it does it begins to just kind of callous over it just kind of hardens and and then before you know it you've uh, maybe two or three years have gone by and then it just seems to maybe all of a sudden just kind of explode uh, in your in your face I'm, I'm reminded of a story in the Bible story of Esther. And I'm gonna. I'm just gonna kind of highlight it for you. But you can turn to the Book of Esther if you if you want to. But Esther's in the Old Testament. Esther was was a Jewish girl, and, and through a through a series of events, this Jewish girl she became queen of Persia. Because at the time, the Persia, the Persian government, the Persian king had had the Jewish uh, people in in, in exile. And, and the story begins with um, with the with the Persian king, uh, king. Uh, and, and he became, he had some kind of, he kind of had some, some inferiority complex, I think, because he was obsessed with having these great banquets. He was obsessed with with having uh, these, uh, these these e- elaborate celebrations to, to show his power. And so one night he was having a big party and his current king, uh, queen, uh, Queen uh, Veshi, she, she, he wanted her to parade out in front of the whole party. And so, so he could show off her beauty. Well, she refused. She refused, and uh, she said, "I'm not going to do that." Husband, you've been there before. You ask your wife to do something. She said, I ain't going to do that. And uh, <laughs> but uh, sh- she refused. So he got he got very upset. Remember, he's got a I don't know. He just had some kind of inf- uh, just very in fear. He felt inferior about himself, so he just had to do all this stuff to puff himself up. So he got upset that his queen did not want to to be paraded out. So she had her, she he had her replaced to put it simply now i don't i don't want i don't can't go into the details of how she was replaced but just know that she was replaced or that she was removed from, from her from her position as queen so well this great king was left without a queen and so he has this grand idea to round up every young lady uh, in persia this and, and and of course the jews were living in uh, in, in this land at the time and almost like an American Idol-type scene. You know, you got the king, and he's kind of sitting back, and these I don't know if they, if they sang for him or what. I don't, I'm not sure. But uh, so he would he'd check these, these girls out. And so Esther uh, showed up on the scene, and Esther, the Bible says she was very, very beautiful, and she caught the eye of, uh, of this king. But the thing is, she was a Jewish girl. And her cousin Mordecai, who was raising her at the time, Mordecai said, all right, you could go and do this, but do not reveal your heritage. Don't, don't let them know that, that you are a Jew. So she goes. Um, the king really uh, appreci- you know, really found her to be very beautiful. He chooses her to be queen. And she begins to live life in the, in the palace. And, uh, well, Mordecai, her cousin, he works for the king. He's, he's called the, he was the gatekeeper. And uh, Mordecai had a, a co-worker named Haman. Now Haman and Mordecai they didn't really get along too well. Through a turn of events, Haman uh, is promoted to second in command. He's over all of, all of all of the king's staff. He kind of becomes the king's uh, second uh, second or first man, right hand man. And Haman had this great idea that that all the king's workers should bow to him, and he got the king to sign off on this. Well, so Haman goes down to Mordecai, where Mordecai was working, and Mordecai did not bow to Haman. And Haman says, uh, have you not heard the new rule? I'm your boss now, and you've got to bow to me. And Mordecai says, I don't bow to anybody but Yahweh, so you can just go ahead and go on. and that's not in the Bible, but something like that. Well, this made Haman furious. So he devised this plan that all the Jews should be killed. He 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 kind of He kind of Finailed his way to, to get the king to sign off on this decree that, that all the Jews throughout all Persia should be should be killed. Mordecai gets word of this and he he finds Esther. He he secretly goes to Esther. And he says, "Do you know what your king has signed off on?" And he said, "You've got to intercede for the Jewish people." And she says, she says, "Ever since his first queen uh, queen did not uh, come into his presence, there's a new rule." If you're not summoned to the king's presence, then you cannot go before the king. Even me as queen. And it's, it's in scripture. It's uh, uh, chapter 3, verse 11. She says, she says, even I myself have not been called to the king in 30 days. That kind of struck me. She hadn't talked to the king in 30 days this this person who they are trying to develop this relationship now hasn't had not spoken to him in in 30 days well the more then the story goes esther presents herself to the king he shows favor in her he uh instead of uh instead of rejecting her presence he welcomes it and he she is able to make him aware of what haman has done and 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 the jews are saved and most pastors would use this story to talk about being, and being at the right place and God's timing. And that's all good, but this struck me. I have not, have not spoken to the king in 30 days. This, this, this communication breakdown that, that occurred here just really, really struck me. And, and the more that you dissect the story, you more, the more you see these communication breakdowns that happen with, uh, with this king. For us today, we're going we're to look at that. We're going to use that as a springboard to, to to get where we need to be. Could this be your marriage? I, you know I have it maybe I mean obviously you've spoken in the last 30 days, but maybe maybe there's a communication barrier so so great that you feel like Esther and her king, and you feel like that you have not spoken in in 30 days. <clears throat> is Here's the thing about communication. A small breakdown can lead to major catastrophe. Uh, very, very minute details as they pile up and they pile up. It, 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 can, be, it can begin to, to cause great stress in a communication. It's, it's almost like a snowball. It starts small and as, as it continues to roll, it just gets larger and larger. And, f- and see, for our marriage, this is what, this is what, this is what we're concerned about is if we're not talking, if we're not communicating, and we're going to talk about here maybe the reasons why we do not communicate. What is communication? What is communication? Perhaps the best way to understand communication is, is, is to describe what bad communication is. Guys, bad communication is when your wife's speaking to you and you continue to watch Sports Center and look at the TV while she is trying to communicate with you. Just, just didn't know if you knew that. that or that laptop. Or, or laptop. Yeah, who does that? Uh, just an idea. Just, just an idea. <laughs> Guys, that's, that's bad communication. Ladies, when you ask your husband a question, and before he can answer, you begin to tell him all the reasons why he is wrong, that's bad communication. Uh, you know, not giving him a chance to... To respond, just didn't know if if you realize that, guys. Sometimes to protect our wife, maybe uh, maybe, and I'm guilty of this. Maybe we're not so forthcoming with all the details of a situation. That's bad communication, guys. Let's 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 be let's be more more. That's probably something that I've, I've learned a lot, right? Yeah, she she just shakes her head. That's and that's all that needs to be said about that. <laughs> Uh, these are these are opposites of what good communication is. Good communication consists of giving full attention. It consists of hearing. It consists of of honesty. Well, honest communication. The Apostle Paul reminded the Ephesian Church to to, uh, to to speak the truth in love. I think that's there on your on your outline that that, that Ephesians uh, that Ephesians four fifteen to speak the truth in love. Let's look at this word truth, and we'll get to love in a little bit. As couples, we need to be honest in two areas. We need to be honest with our emotions, and we need to be honest with the facts.
1: And we were talking about this, and I kind of feel like in most marriages, there's one individual who's the more outgoing one and then the more reserved one. And probably all of you in the room can guess which role we play. She's, she's
0: out, very out, she's outgoing one.
1: <laughs> And I think for those of us that might be on the reserve side of the relationship, I think a lot of times it might we might be the ones that struggle with this emotional honesty. Like it's harder for us to be more emotional honest than the other person, perhaps.
0: Yes, and people who are emotionally honest are, are not scared to tell their true feelings. And, and again, this is not this is not reserved for a, for a male or female, but any, both genders play in this in this role of of, of struggling to be. Emotional, emotionally honest. I mean, some of you out there, man, you guys are just fine with telling your feelings, and uh, and you you got that down. It is when we share our true emotions to our spouse that that, it, that it's easier to resolve. It's easier to find ways to resolve the issues, or maybe even avoid issues. It's easier to find uh, to find solution when we are honest about how we're feeling. When we're honest about uh, about our, our emotions. Emotional honesty will help foster intimacy between you and your spouse. And uh, Casey illustrates this very well, uh, our marriage. about
1: One example of this for me was when we first got married, David, would, he has a very close relationship with his parents. And he would call his parents two or three times, four times a week, and just chat about life in general. And sometimes tell them things that were going on in our lives, like big things that were coming up or just whatever, and um, this kind of would bother me at first, or it would bother me, and um, the secret was, was I was doing the same thing, but I was doing it with my parents when he wasn't around, hey. he would call, you know, when we were riding down the road, or, and sometimes he would, by mistake, just um, say something that I didn't know yet, <laughs> and his mom would find out before me, mm-hmm. and that wasn't good.
0: That ain't good, <laughs> that, ain't, that ain't good, that's not good, I want your mom to find out before you what.
1: And, um you know, in my mind, I was supposed to be his wife, I was supposed to be the one that he told everything to first, I was supposed to be the one that he did his major life talkings to, and so um, this really hurt, and this went on for several years, because remember, I'm the one that wasn't emotionally honest, and um, so it was really hard for me. I didn't know what to do, I mean, I knew I needed to talk to him, but that wasn't my character, and so I just kind of let it fall off. Finally I was like, why do you call your mom all the time and tell her everything? Why can't you tell me first? And so, um, <laughs> you know, so we kinda of eventually got to the point where we talked it out. And so now um, David understood that and now things are different and um, I've been trained.
0: I was kidding. Don't put
1: it like I'm a trainer or something. No, you know? that's a joke. <laughs> but um, so anyway, so that was one of our break, a major breakdown because I was letting it hurt me on the inside, but he had no, no idea. He wasn't really doing anything wrong other than telling them maybe big news before me. But other than that, you know, he wasn't really doing anything wrong. It just, and he had no idea that I felt that
0: way. Yes, yes. I was, I was oblivious to that. But, again, it was, it was something that we were honest about and, and something that, uh, that we were able to communicate expectations and, and move on. Guys, I think maybe we fall into this next category, honesty with the facts. Um, it, it's not that we're telling a lie. But 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 it's just that we're not telling the complete story out of fear that, uh, that it, it may upset the uh, the other one, or it, it may cause them to to worry. And the reality is that, that anything that misrepresents the situation can have negative results uh, on on the relationship. And and some of those negative results may be may be a trust issue. Uh, you may find that your spouse has issues trusting. Uh, you uh, in in some areas and it 's hard to draw close to someone if they can 't trust you i mean that, that's that 's not a very profound statement that 's pretty cut and dry it's hard to it 's hard to find intimacy with someone if, if there's a, if there 's a level of dis of distrust at, at, at uh, distrust at, at any level um, I believe that, that that we want to be on the road to healthy to a healthy relationship. Uh, Then we've got to allow the words of Paul to take root into our marriages. Speak the truth in love. However, let's not forget that speaking the truth cannot be done without its partner. Speaking the truth is fine. And some of you guys are very, very good at speaking the truth. And uh, this doesn't really, this is one of the points that that can apply beyond our marriages. We We can apply this to the church setting. We go to church with some people who are very, very good about telling, their tr- telling the truth. They're very, very good about telling their feelings and telling you what they think about you. <laughs> and about maybe a situation that you're in charge of. But don't forget. That's fine. Speaking the truth. But there's another component to that. And it's speaking the truth in love. <clears throat> and we find, we find the love described in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Casey, okay, so why will not you, you read that? 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 7.
1: If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when the perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. When I was a child, I taught like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. Now we see a poor reflection as in a mirror, but we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And these three remain. Faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love.
0: Amen. Amen. The goal of communicating in truth in our relationship should be to build each other up, not tear down. If, if our goal in speaking the truth, guys, is, is really not going to bring resolution or, or, or bring each other together, but rather it is debate, it is to debate or to win or to embarrass or to discount what others are saying, or or maybe, or or even just to control the conversation, if that is our purpose in speaking the truth, then then we're missing the biblical mark. Uh, Please, in in our marriages, speak in love. In our church relationships, speak in love. In all of our interactions, at the workplace, church, wherever, may we always be, may may the core intent of what we're trying to do, may it be in and and may it be out of, of love. Let's go back to the story of Esther. She said that if she presented herself to the king and did not, ex- and, and and if the king did not extend his his right hand to her, to acknowledge her, that she would die. Esther wasn't concerned with what the king was going to say; he was concerned. She was concerned with what he was going to do. He, she was concerned with his nonverbal communication, and we all understand that. There's a lot of what we say in what we don't say. Everybody, can, everybody can, can agree with that. I read that 85% of all communication is nonverbal. Meaning we say a lot with our actions, with our facial expressions, with, with how we say something. And I, I believe this is something that all married couples face and have to learn to, to work through. I learned very early on that, uh, that Casey, Casey was a, was a nonverbal person communicator sometimes her uh sometimes her nonverbal communication was even, was louder than her verbal communication and husbands i i think that you may understand what i'm trying to say there were times when i could walk into a house or to the house and nothing be said but i could sense that something was not right i, I could I, I could i could sense that that something was not right and it's like i'd say casey are you, you okay i'm fine No, you're not. <laughs> and so, so for us, it was, I think both of us had, had to learn to, uh, to communicate in that. Because just that, that, that was just her character, you know, was, was to, if there was ever something that needed resolution, I was ready to, I was ready to resolve it then. You know, why? You know, I, I tell her all the time, I said Casey, we're, we're wasting our marriage being mad at each other. Let's just, you know, I messed up, let's get through it, and let's move on and be happy. And uh, ladies, you, you all understand uh, it doesn't work like that, does it? It does not work like that. And 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 guys, we're just like, you know what? Let's just move on. That's there's no use in wasting time being upset with one another. And and, and so that was something that that's uh that, that we had to we had to work through. <clears throat> there's a lot in what we don't say. Sometimes to tell, I, I told on her. I'm gonna tell on me. There are a few times when when Casey will ask me to do something, and I won't respond to her. Not out of anger, but maybe out of just ADD of uh, forgetting to respond to her or thinking that I had responded to her, but I really, I really didn't. And it could be something along the lines of, um, you know, cleaning off the patio where the leaves have blown on. and And I heard her make that loving request. And the next day, she says... Did you clean those leaves? I'm like, yeah, you, I, you've already asked me this. And she'll say, well, you did not respond to that. And so I was not sure that the message had been received because one, you did not respond, and two, there's still leaves on the patio from where the wind blew, blew them on there. Feedback is important. Feedback is an important part of, of communication. If we're not giving our spouse feedback, then it's hard to to tell if the message has been sent. Most of us give feedback through a nod or or a nod of the head or maybe the rolling of the eyes. But effective feedback is verbal. Effective feedback is verbal. I had to learn this when I came into Casey's family. Casey comes from from a a line of nonverbal communicators. And I come from a line of of uh, people who run their mouth and uh <laughs> and so i had to get used to not getting feedback you know we, we'd be at the house or dad would watching tv your mom being there and she'd be in there and i'd make comment about something that went across the news you know like can you guys believe that that politician's doing that and silence i'd look over at her and her dad just you know his head i'm like uh okay well so okay whatever and <laughs> And so I, I got used, to, or or the uh, the uh, the uh, the infamous. Where do you want? Where do you guys want to go eat? You know, where do you guys want to go eat? And all of them just just be silent. You know, I'm like, well, we're going to eat, right?
1: We've worked through that. Now he just picks everywhere. Yeah, no,
0: I just tell our family, hey, we're going. This is where we're going. So, <laughs> guys, feedback. Feedback is is critical. Feedback confirms the message has been received. Uh, it also asks questions to clarify to make sure the message has been received properly, because sometimes the message is received, but whether or not it's received properly is another story. You know, sometimes you say one thing, but they heard a whole other thing. That and that—that's that's not just within marriage. That—that's that's in every every relationship. Communication feedback may, may help us avoid the various uh, conflicts that arise in all relationships because good feedback allows both parties to understand what is being communicated. Communication is two-way. Communication is, is two-way. We've, uh, we've really just scratched the surface this morning. But, but before we, we, we end, uh, uh, allow me to, to offer a few suggestions.
1: Can I say this? Let's wrap it up. He says that every Sunday and I oh, always. Okay. <laughs> I finally get to say it, you know. Well,
0: say it again. Let's wrap this let's, up. Let's let's wrap this up. Yes. You guys are blessed with a uh with a predictable pastor. <clears throat> we must deal with conflict. Guys, we we've we've got to deal with conflict. Just because you have conflict in your marriage doesn't mean that something is wrong or that your marriage is falling apart. It doesn't matter how much you love each other. There will be times when you do something or say something or you don't do something or don't say something that will cause hurt, that will cause frustration, that will cause disappointment. But see, when conflict is avoided, then our feelings, they stay, they stay bottled up. And, when they, and when, when they remain bottled up, things turn negative very quickly. Couples have two choices with negative feelings. Deal with them, or don't deal with them. However, not dealing with them will lead to strains in our marital relationship. Avoiding conflict has a way of building a wall between you and your spouse. And building walls between you and your spouse is not God's vision of marriage. I mean, we saw that last week in the Genesis account of Genesis one and two. You know, God intended for male and female to be together, to be, to be one flesh. And you cannot be one flesh if there's a wall. <clears throat> Dealing with conflict provides the possibility for resolution, but getting to resolution may be difficult. It's, it's, it's tough. It's tough getting to, 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 to resolution. Dealing with conflict is certainly a tough choice, but in the end, the results are, are much better than us just avoiding it altogether. Perhaps you've tried talking things out. Perhaps, and, and perhaps it hasn't worked. Perhaps you've tried other methods. And if you're still, if you're still kind of building walls, then then it could be that that there is, is further help that uh, that you need to that you need to see, that you need to seek. But I can tell you this: when you find resolution, you will find emotional intimacy, you will find stability, and you will find growth. When you tear down walls. You deal with conflict, and you begin to build that relationship with that partner. You understand that w- we talked about this some in, in our in our Sunday school class. That there's a time where you fall in love, and it's all man, it's great, and you know you'll I mean you'll drive 40 miles one way to go see somebody five times a week, and um, there's a time where you'll do that, but that's not so much love. Love is when you see the person's inconsistencies and you still choose to love them. Love is when you see someone for who they really are. When you see them in sickness and in health. When you see them in poor and in rich times. And you say, I love you. That, that is love. That, that is love. And then lastly, we must never fail to share. Don't fail to share. That, that's the right end for, for, for those who are taking notes on that one. If your marriage is going to work, then you cannot avoid avoid intimacy. Intimacy isn't just a word for physical uh, relationship. It's actually much more than that. Intimacy is allowing your spouse to see your true feelings as you commit to being totally open to them. A commitment to sharing your heart is the key to strengthening and deepening your marriage relationship as it brings closeness and connection. Inviting someone that deep into your life is risky. I mean, understand when you choose to marry someone, you are you are inviting someone into your well into, into your inner sanctum. Your, I mean you're your into your space. or I hope that you are, if not, then you don't need to get married. <laughs> but that's what joining one that's, that's, what it, that's what it is. And so we've got to be open to that and that's risky. But the, re, the rewards that come from that are so great. And this is why marriage is not to be entered, in, entered into lightly. Anybody who comes to me and says, I want to get married, if you, will you marry us? I mean, I tell them flat out, you know, there's, there's, there's counseling that we've got to do. You know, we've got to make sure that this is, oh, but well, we love each other. No, you don't. You think that person is great, and, that's, and they are great. But you're not going to find out what love is until about six months in to your marriage, and everybody married can shake their head, saying, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." I mean, I've all I've always believed this. You don't fall in love until after you get married. I mean, really fall in love. I mean, and I, I thought I loved Casey when we were dating, but I love her now more more than ever, and it's because of of working through things. It's because of Despite my inconsistencies, despite her inconsistencies, we've decided that, hey, this is, this is what God has joined together. And what God is joined together, let no man put asunder. So whether you and your spouse are confronting issues of great importance or just sharing your vision for the future, remember that God is with you and that the risk of communicating honestly and completely with your mate is well worth the effort. Would you stand with me? I really appreciate you guys allowing us to do this. I know that it 's a little bit different than uh, than what you 've been used to, but guys, I firmly believe I firmly believe that that if we can have strong marriages if we can have strong relationships that that, that, that is the key to that 's the key to, the, to uh, success in the church is not only marriages being healthy but just relationships in general and so I hope that you 've taken what 's been said the last two weeks, and if you 're not married that 's fine. Apply these. To those in whom, in whom you come in contact with. Those of us who do have a spouse. Deal with the conflict. Share who you are. You, in marriage, you have invited that person into your innermost sanctum. Be the one flesh that you committed to be. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for those who are gathered here. And Lord, I I pray a blessing on on all relationships, uh, whether it be just friendships or dating relationships or or engagements, marital relationships, whether we've been married a year or we've been married 62 years. There is always room to share. There is always a a need to, to, to be open to one another. Father, the... The prince of evil is fighting this. The Satan understands that that he that he has a foothold in people's lives through their marriages. And Lord, I pray that uh, I pray that you drive back the forces of Satan, Lord. I pray that you drive back the forces of evil that would that would try to to build walls, that would try to influence us to build walls in our marriages. And I pray, Lord, that we put you first. I pray, Lord, that that we look at. Uh, we look at the, the biblical model of male and female being one flesh and, and that is how we, we approach our marriage of, of being one, being open, communicating, finding intimacy with one another. Lord, I pray a blessing on everyone here, every household represented here. Lord, I pray that, that you just go with us this week as we as as we go into our workplaces and our and our places of business. Father, uh, bring us back here this evening for uh, for an evening worship gathering. Be with us this, this Wednesday as we gather to worship then. Lord, I just continue to ask a blessing on this church and those who are here as we continue and seek to do your will, not only in our lives individually, but as we seek to do your will within our marriages. May our marriages be a reflection of your love. We pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, and all God's people said together. Amen. Go in grace. Go in peace. Have a great day.